Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We are excited to be here today with Holly J, who is telling her personal story on how she got out of a heroin addiction through domination and meditation. In this episode, we speak about her journey starting raving as a 14-year-old and going to BDSM clubs as a 16-year-old. Holly discovered heroin not through the kink scene, however, found herself in addiction very early on. We also speak about what her everyday life was like on a heroin addiction, how the kink scene was her rescue on getting sober from heroin, some intense stories from her work as a dominatrix, and much more. I want to highlight that this conversation may be triggering and that we are talking about substance abuse from Holly's own experiences, meaning there is no professional input in this conversation. If you or someone you know is suffering from drug addiction and want to seek professional help, we will add some important links in the episode description. Let's start this conversation. I am Amanda and this is Playful Podcast. Me using heroin especially was a way to escape feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like I didn't have a use, feeling like, you know, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. And so I believe that the the opposite of addiction is connection. And I was avoiding that through using heroin, through numbing myself. And so by connecting with these people, by feeling like I was providing a service, it helped me feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. Holly, welcome to Playful Podcast. Thank you so much. We're so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> okay, but we are going to speak about some serious topics today. We are. In combination with what I would say, because we're still Playful Podcast, and I would say a playful resolution to a serious topic. Perfect. But I don't know so much about it yet. What three words would you 
uh, say about yourself that describes you? Master power pager. Wait, master power pager. <laughs> Solid. But a more serious one that I think would be strong, resilient queerdo. I think that that definitely encompasses what I feel that I'm about. Do you, would you say that you were similarly this when you were a teenager? Oh God, no, absolutely not. No. It, it was a very, very long journey to get here, definitely. And lots of self-doubts. Um, definitely when I was growing up, a lot of uh, slut shaming, a lot of, you know, stuff like that. And so uh, I definitely hid these parts of myself for a really, really long time. And it took a long time to come to terms and embrace and to be proud of, of these parts of myself, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you are from the States. Yes. What was your upbringing like? Um, so I grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles, and um, it was quite a conservative part of Los Angeles. Like, I knew a guy in high school that had a Confederate flag on the hood of his car, Um, and I also, uh, was going to high school in early 2000s. And so a lot of just kind of like repressed sexuality and stuff like that. And so I started going to raves when I was very young and started kind of like experimenting with counterculture and things like that. Um, and, uh, when I was 16, I watched a movie called Secretary, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Never. It's a movie with, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spade, Spader. And looking back right now, there's definitely a lot of problematic elements to it, but basically it was about a woman who kind of discovers herself through BDSM. Um, and it really just kind of opened When was up, it released? Um... So like really, what year? Really good question. Um, I think in probably the late 90s. It was oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, uh, the internet was kind of like a new thing. And I started researching on these message boards and stuff like that. And I also had a sister that was 10 years older than me. And so I took her ID and I started going to fetish clubs in Hollywood when I was How? 16. 16? When I was 16. Yeah. And so, um, thankfully, I could have gone really wrong, but I met a lot of people who were very knowledgeable and wanted to protect me and kind of, yeah, opened my, my whole world up into this, this culture that, that, that I didn't even really knew existed. It's insane to even picture a 16-year-old. Oh, it's But totally crazy. It's yeah. totally crazy. Totally crazy. Wow. So did you have any of your, like, friends there? Or how? No. I mean, it's you were very brave then. Like, you just... And curious as... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I went totally solo because, like I said, like, the, the slut-shaming and all of that was really strong back what, then. What was it? Like, you were a sexually free person who explored various situations with people and you got slut shamed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And for things that were perceived, not even things that I had actually done before, just like kind of projection on other people. Mm. Uh, and so I started going to this one club in Hollywood called The Dungeon, very appropriate. I recognized that. Is yeah, it big? Yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, and sorry, it but it just sounds like 
any club. He does, <laughs> that's, does, That's yeah. maybe why I'm like, I recognize Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And it was attached to this thing called Bondage Ball, which was a major event that happened, um, I think it was like once a year. Um, and so there, I ended up meeting a guy named Sonny Black, who made dungeon furniture for a living. And so um, I started subbing under him for about three years. And that was one of the most transformative in terms of sexually experiences that I've ever had in my entire life. Wait, wait, wait. You were 16 years old mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. You were submissive under a BDSM furniture builder. Mm -hmm. It actually started when I was 17. We met, 17. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, um, yeah, he would make dungeon furniture. For example, he would like, he had like a hanging, hanging cage that he would put me in for like hours at a time. And he was just like very much about um, pushing my boundaries, but in a way that I was comfortable with. And uh, how what, old was he? Uh, he was 38. 38. Yeah, 38. That's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And did I didn't know how old you were. He did know how old I was. Hmm. And when things really started getting more intense, I, I was 18 already. And so one of the things that really sticks out in my head was that at the time I had a really big doctor fetish and he knew about this. And so one day he told me that he had a surprise for me and he invited me over And he put me in a patient smock thing and he led me into a room where he had a gynecological table that he had painted bright red and it was set up like a doctor's office. He had like anatomy posters everywhere and everything like that. And he put me in the chair, tied my feet to the stirrups and my hands up, turned off the lights and left for like I don't know. I mean, it could have been five minutes. It could have been an hour. I can't fucking remember. But he came in and he had a doctor's coat, a mask, gloves on, and a speculum. And for the next... What is a speculum? A speculum is a thing that gynecological or gynecologists use to like open up your, oh my your vagina. Oh like The kind inside. of clip thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The clip thing. <gasps> Jesus fucking Christ. And for three hours... He just fucking went to town slowly and with just like the moat. And I just had like orgasm after orgasm after orgasm. There are so orgasm. many question marks in my head. All right, right now. let's hear them. What the fuck? Yeah, that definitely. Okay. <laughs> so obviously, you felt safe. I did. Like. Yes, I had known. And I know you are also a person who is very much strict to. Uh, boundaries yes. and you're very aware so that's why i'm a little bit taken aback by all of this yeah it sounds like a situation that's very predatory Pred yeah, sounds, yeah, yeah yeah you know yeah yeah well i known him for almost three years at this point and we had really established a sense of trust and so going into that i did trust him to stop when i need him to we did have a safe word going forward and Um, I really looked at it from a perspective that like he knew that this was something that really turned me on and he went above and beyond to fulfill this thing that like really, really turned me on. And it just made me feel very seen and very comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. in, in being able to release myself because I was, I, I mean, I still am someone 
who giving up control is a very difficult thing for me. And so to be in the presence of someone who made me feel like I could relinquish that was a really powerful experience in and of itself, definitely. Wow. Are you in contact still today? No. No? no. What happened? Um. So the financial crisis happened of 2008, and he could not do his business anymore. He lost his his uh, dungeon-making thing. Oh, it would have been a success today, probably. A hundred percent. He was shipping all over the world. Oh, he was making really good money. Mm. Um. But also his wife, who was a dominatrix, who I had my first dom experience with. Because you the, are a super dyke. It's also super, part of this. I I am so gay. Story it's the fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, and they had a couple kids, and that also like had a huge profound effect. I met him years later after all of this had happened by chance at an art show that my friend was throwing, and I felt like an eighteen-year-old all over again. It was just crazy how much I just was like transported back into that time in my life just by seeing him, you know? And I know a lot of people probably have really mixed feelings about the age difference and everything like that, but the amount of respect between us, I, I, I don't know. Even to this day, looking back at it, I'm, I'm, the, I'm almost the age that he was at when this happened. And I still don't look at it at, in a negative light. Thank you for sharing all this. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. So, okay, but now to, to take a little turn on your life, you also got into a heroin addiction. I did, quite early, yes. What? How How? How old were you and what happened? Um. So I was, again, 16. And so I think a, an important thing to note is that um, when I was 10... I have this um, this thing called anterior antiversion, which means that my left leg turns in at my femur. And so they put me in cables. And so I don't know if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, but it's like yeah. literally a band and movie. the cables. What and the fuck? Yeah. So I was in those for 23 hours a day for an entire year. And I was ostracized, made fun of, mocked, bullied, everything for that for a very long time. And also at the same time, my mother was diagnosed with a really serious autoimmune disease and she was in the hospital in and out and couldn't really give me the support that I needed at that time. And so I feel the combination of it being when I was 10, so right before I hit puberty, going through all these changes and not really feeling like I was a part of a group really had a profound effect on me. And this took a really long time to realize and put together. 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years old. Such a sensitive age. Such too. a sensitive age, absolutely. And so I think as I got older and as it became harder to relate to people and feel like I was a part of a group and my extreme social anxiety, um, it was a way to be able to feel okay with myself you know it started because my mother was taking who introduced so my mother was taking oxycontin which is a, a very serious opioid and i just took one of her pills one day wait opioids is also such a huge thing in, yes. in the u.s compared to the people who are listening who are from europe yes. like me myself huge, huge. It's yeah 
and very overprescribed. There was actually several lawsuits recently against the family that pushed this because they claimed that it was not addictive. And it was very overprescribed for a lot of people back in the day. Mm. And so my mother was taking very heavy doses back then. And I just tried it because it was there. Remind me again why your mother took it. So she was diagnosed with a disease called lupus and also mm. a disease called fibromyalgia. And fibromyalgia is just kind of a blanket term of you're, there's something wrong with your nerves, but we don't oh, know okay. exactly what. Yeah. And so I just took one of her pills one day to see what it was like. And you like. were 16? Um, at the, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 16 at the time when I and first And you just... It. How come you even there taking the pill? You were not scared of the pills? No, because I had been going to raves. I had taken ecstasy uh, yeah. and stuff like that. And so, no, I wasn't. You weren't early. Yeah. I just wanted an escape. I just wanted mm. to not have to face all of the feelings that I had inside of me. I mm. wanted to disassociate. I wanted to be able to, you know, just not feel so uncomfortable within myself. Mm. And opioids do exactly that. They just kind of make you forget all of your problems, everything that's going on. You just kind of float and you don't really give a fuck about anything. And that was the first introduction that I had kind of into that world. And it was extremely, extremely addictive. I didn't feel like that overwhelming social anxiety when I was around people. How long did it last for? The, the first pill. Um, so... Uh, They come in like, uh, she had 80 milligram pills, which is a huge amount. Mm -hmm. And I took 10 milligrams of that. And it lasted for like six to eight hours, basically. All right. What did you do? Just lay there. Ah, oh, you laid for 10 hours. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like felt good. Yeah. It, 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 to, to best describe it, it feels like being wrapped in a warm blanket where all of your worries just kind of float away. Mm. They're gone, you know? Mm. And I did not have the self-awareness and I did not have the tools to be able to deal with the feelings that I was feeling. And so this was a way to get around that. Mm. And it was a very, very common thing. And to this day, Most people who are addicted to more serious, like heroin, fentanyl, they started by taking prescription opioids because they were very overprescribed. And then, did you continue taking your mom's pills? I did. And she found out about it and started locking them up. And then I found out heroin was a much cheaper alternative to that. Well, how did you find out that? Um, I started dating a guy um, who had experience with it and, you know, told me that it was cheaper and, you know, started trying it and it and felt the same. 17? Yeah. I, I no, uh, I, 18. 18. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so switched over to that, you know, he helped you or yeah. And like, for example, on the street, one pill of an 80 milligram Oxycontin was $30, but you could get a whole gram of heroin for like, you know, $20 that would last you much, much longer. And then you smoked that or what did you do? I did at first. Yeah. At first. Yeah. And then you injected it too? Yes. Okay. So how did that like, because it, it's a pretty 
smoking something we associate with smoking cigarettes which yes. is legal so yes. it feels like i'm not doing anything wrong exactly injecting is a whole, whole different level thing. yeah so what did the steps look like uh well the next boyfriend that i had uh he had experience with injecting things he helped me to inject which funnily enough my veins are so small that it was not a fun thing to do but it hit faster it was cheaper and i could make it last longer how long time does it last then um 8 to 12 hours when oh. you inject it and you were 18 mhm and you had a boyfriend who was used to injecting things okay uh what were you still in school at this time then no 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 you quit school and you no, were no no i graduated i, I graduated how you do it earlier than in in uh, in the US you do it yeah you graduate high school at 17 in the US ah yeah yeah okay so what was your everyday life like then when with, i was using when you were using yeah oh um i would wake up and immediately feel sick contact my dealer uh i would have to drive out because the dealers were all in los angeles so i would take my car drive for about a half an hour be kicking the entire time which is the most horrible thing that you feel like you're on you have a flu on steroids basically and so i would go and wait sometimes for hours at a time to get it uh immediately go and you know make myself not sick and then sometimes how do you make yourself not sick uh you inject it ah uh, yeah but on oh so you saved a few so you could or like because you were feeling sick on the way to the dealer mm -hmm. so then you save the little batch so you could like continue feeling okay exactly all right yeah right. and eventually it's about not feeling sick it's not really about getting high anymore because your tolerance builds up super super fast it's mm. just about not feeling sick anymore you know and what is the sick feeling sickness feeling you got like oh um it it's horrible i don't know if you've ever had restless leg syndrome but it's like that there's no uh position where you can get comfortable and you can't sleep you're vomiting you're you have diarrhea you're just like everything is just like this oh, like the entire time it is a horrible horrible feeling but unlike the flu you know that there is a solution and that's where it becomes really really fucking hard Did you have a job? Uh I was doming. You were doming. Okay. We need to blend these stories. Let's blend these stories. Well. Let's fucking do it. Uh, um you you were with this uh furniture selling dom. You mm -hmm. were subbing to him. Take us with you. What happened? Yeah. So, yeah, um I was using the entire time. I was just You were using when you were with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He knew Uh no, no. I I was very very good at hiding it. But it was just there was so much guilt and shame associated with who I was, not being able to establish like healthy boundaries, especially the shame and guilt that went into the fact that I started it from stealing from my mother who truly needed it and I to lean into myself to really lean into like facing those demons was an impossible feat for a very very long time. And so um when I very first started doming for the first couple years, 
I was using and I was just how come you're so dumbing as an alternative career though um because I could be my own boss but who explained this to you that I could be a dom yeah when you were 18 yeah yeah so uh the guy ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Guy that I was subbing under mm. that made Dunn Furniture, his wife was a dominatrix. Mm. And one of her subs, his kink, was being with new girls that didn't really know, like, what was going on. So the very first experience that I ever had with a dominatrix is that he wanted a golden shower. And so I drank liters and liters of water in anticipation to be able to do this. I get to the dungeon where she's at and... <laughs> He's laying, I'm sorry. He's laying on the floor that it, of the bathroom. It's covered in plastic crap. And he's wearing a snorkel mask. And so she is standing there and I'm standing over him and I am shaking. I'm so nervous. And it's been like five minutes. And so she starts singing the happy birthday song, humming it to help me. And it worked and I started peeing and couldn't stop. Did you pee in the snorkel opening? Just all over him. I was okay. standing over his face. So some of it definitely got into the snorkel, a lot of it all over his body. But I, I'm serious. I was peeing for what felt like forever. It must have been like minutes at least. It was his birthday for sure. It was his birthday for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and he was loving it. And in fact, he loved it so much that he became one of my regulars after that. And so at the time, I just remember thinking, what an easy way to make money, number one, and that I don't have to answer to any boss or anything like that. And it just became a way to make money. Uh, using it as a way to establish that, that didn't come until much later. It just became a way for me to survive. But the way that I came to the realization that, you know, this could be something more is that I had a house slave that would come, you know, very regularly, weekly, that I was seeing for almost two years. How did you find this house slave? Uh, so there was this website called Backpage where you could ah, okay. advertise And on. you were on the nets. Yes. That's yes. obvious from the whole story. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And so I was seeing him, you know, pretty weekly and he was like one of my closest subs. And 
it was obvious that I was using to anybody that had experience with that before. How is it obvious, would you say? Um, so your pupils become like, you know, pins, like the way that you talk, your words are just kind of very like slow and just kind of like, you're, you're out of it. You're mm. out of it and people can tell that you're out of it that have had experience with that before. Mm. And so one day when he was over, he had told me that he had had experience with another dom that had had a substance abuse problem and that he really thought that I could be a great dom, but he knew that I was using and that he couldn't continue to support someone that he knew was in active addiction. How old was he? Um, I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but I probably around like 50. And I'm sorry, in my brain, I paint the picture and this is how my brain works. So I'm a little bit like crazy with yeah, this. Yeah, I know yeah. some people would be like, who cares? But to no, me, I'm yeah, like... No. <laughs> yeah, it's important, definitely. Okay. Yeah, mm. with life experience and all of that, it's mm. definitely important. But mm. yeah, um, I think that why it affected me so much is that number one, I was seeing him for so long. And number two, he had experience with this. And it's not like he just told me to fuck off. He told me that he knew that I had the potential for this to be something great, but that I was letting this hold me back. Wow. Are you still talking to this person? Today? No. No, but he he kind of saved you, you feel? Or how do you feel? I, I do. I feel like he opened my eyes to the fact that I was using this as just a way to survive instead of really putting myself into it. Because at the time, I had no self-confidence. I, I I didn't believe in myself. I was just using it because it wasn't, you know, for me, it was a way to make money with minimal effort. I knew that I couldn't hold down like a normal job. And so I was just kind of phoning it in for the most part, you know? I wasn't really stepping into that. I was still really afraid to assert myself. I was really still afraid to 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 lean into what I wanted and who I was because those are really scary questions to ask yourself. For sure. Yeah. Definitely still. Absolutely. Even doesn't matter how old people get. I think this is still scary. Yes. But like what changed then? Like how did the process for you until you quit that look like? Um so I really sat down and started asking myself, number one, what makes me feel fulfilled in terms of doming? Like, How old were you then? Um, I was 20, around 22 or 23 All right. when this happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so- A lot happens in the brain over these years. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I really started asking myself, number one, like what doming style made me feel like I was actually making a difference because when you really think about it dominatrixes are as much psychologists as they are dominatrixes you have these mostly men coming towards you that have been shamed and ostracized and have not had like a chance to be able to explore their fetishes in a safe and encouraging way And so where could I connect with them in a way where I felt like I was making a difference? Because that is important to me. It was important to me. It's still important to me that what I'm doing makes some kind of a difference. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, things that I really identified with was 
forced feminization. So a lot of things are forced, which is basically just code for these men are too scared to do it themselves and they need the encouragement of an outside person to make them feel like it's okay. So forced feminization, putting makeup on them, putting them in dresses, putting wigs on them, forced bisexual, coming, like having another man come in and like saying that it's okay to like, you know, engage in like homosexual acts with these people, you know, just like things that I believed were really affirming and also things that the submissives would tell me afterwards how much it changed their life to have someone that they felt comfortable because it affects all aspects of your life without realizing it. You know what I mean? To, to hide that part of yourself so and be so ashamed of it because a lot of them were older men, a lot of them were married, and a lot of them felt like they would never be accepted for having these kinds of wants and desires. And how did you, how did that fill a hole that heroin used to fill? Um, the, the validation, definitely. Did it happen like, sorry, I'm mixing two questions. No well. worries. So did it happen gradually? Yes. All right. Let's yes. go there. Yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, it wasn't an immediate thing, you know, obviously. Me using heroin especially was a way to escape feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like I didn't have a use, feeling like, you know, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. And so I believe that the, the opposite of addiction is connection. And I was avoiding that through using heroin, through numbing myself. And so by connecting with these people, by feeling like I was providing a service, it helped me feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. Mm. And did, so you just started using less and less and felt like, ooh, okay, I have a session. I'm going to skip this. I was going to say shot, but... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Mm, for now, and I'm going to wait for it until later. Yeah, or... as a way to be present and as a way to be of service to another person mm. and as a way to lean into myself. Heroin is, it was really a lot about escapism and to not face myself. Mm. And so I feel like by having this other thing to focus on and by feeling like I could help someone else, it helped me to not want to escape as much. Mm -hmm. And then when did you find yourself in a position where you had completely stopped uh when i was about 25 wow yeah. amazing so yeah. 25 you were like okay i'm not gonna do this anymore yeah and what did that decision look like um it looked like first of all meditation was a huge contribution and i feel like a lot of my life was about instant gratification running for myself, and if I felt uncomfortable, immediately wanting to get the fuck away from there. But meditation allowed me to slow down, but to also realize that those feelings of discomfort 
they're not going to last forever. They mm. pass. And so instead of trying to hold on to that and just kind of live in that, it's like, a you know, life is a roller coaster. Feelings come and they go. And that's what makes great moments so great. And bad. you have to have the good with the bad. There's got to be that equilibrium or else, you know, it would be so boring to have that monotony all the time. And so I think really leaning into the idea that this is temporary and yeah, it sucks, but you know what? Sometimes life sucks and I'm only going to make it worse by not being present and dealing with that and running away from it. I feel like it's like, you know, like uh, when you have a ball of cables that you just kind of keep throwing cables into because you don't want to really deal with it, you're going to have to unravel that eventually. And the more that you add on to it, the harder that it's going to be. Ignoring it is never going to make the problem go away. It's only going to make it temporarily better until it fucking hits you in the face like a ton of bricks. And that's what I was so scared of. I had dug my hole so incredibly deep that the idea of getting out of that was so overwhelming that I just ran for as long as I possibly could. But it, it just it just made things worse. And it took a really long time to realize that the only way to the other side was through it. Mm. So that was a rough time when you... A very rough time. Absolutely. Did yes. you work at the same time or did you have to stay home? I did work at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Did your clients notice that you were sick? No. No. Throwing I, up in a bucket, continuing. Yeah. I mean, my, my sessions for, were, were for like an hour. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I, I was able to hide it. It was a very difficult thing to do. But, you know, I, I knew that finding a normal job, number one, was going to be nearly impossible. But number two, that there were aspects about this that I really did enjoy and that I knew that the more that I, I leaned into it and accepted it, the better chance that I had of being able to, to fully recover. Wow. This is interesting what you said, finding a normal, quote unquote, normal job. Yeah. Because it's something that so many people don't see as a problem. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, you know, you do your education and then if you're in like the middle class family brought up, then it's just like what education are gonna do next and then it's just you know it's an it's a journey that is like staked out you know yes um what did that look like for you to Not try to 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 try to find a normal quote-unquote life or did you just see that you are gonna be a dom and you feel well in this job or yeah yeah i i just it, it took a really long time to accept that the path that normal society laid out was not for me. I would never be happy in that. I would be miserable the entire time. And, you know, also like I had been arrested a couple times growing up and, and stuff like that. And so I, I knew that, that trying to fit myself into that box would just lead to misery for me. It really would. And that just because society says that this is what you're supposed to do, you don't have to do that. You don't. You can find your own path. It'll take a lot more work 
and there's a lot more stressors that are involved. But for me, it was worth it a hundred percent to go that direction. Yeah. And are you still working as a dom today? No. How come? Um, so I started traveling extensively mm. uh, at the end of 2016. There was also this law passed in the United States called FOSTA-SESTA, mm -hmm. which basically says that any website that advertises sex work can be charged with child trafficking and all of this kind of thing. And so it took all of this opportunity for sex workers away, basically immediately. And so to make it as a sex worker became increasingly difficult. Also, during the pandemic, because a lot of people lost their jobs, like OnlyFans becoming very popular and things like that, the competition is unreal, you know, and it, it's a much more oversaturated environment than it used to be. Wow. This is so interesting, Holly. I'm so happy you shared all this. Oh, like, I'm so really, happy you find it interesting. It's <laughs> mind fucking blowing. Um, do you still miss the feeling of heroin today? No. And it took me a really long time to get there. It did. But I know that I have so much that I have gained through not using the relationships that I have with my friends and especially with my family and how much hard work and dedication it took to get there and how much growth I've had as a person, it's not even remotely worth it to think about because I have the coping skills to be able to deal with it in a healthy way that I never had before and I am so grateful that I'm able to do that, that I'm able to lean into the discomfort, that I'm able to feel my emotions without running away from them, and that I know that it will pass. And that's something that I didn't realize before because I, I couldn't wait for a chance for that to happen. You know, I immediately needed to numb myself. I immediately needed for that feeling to go away, you know, and that's just not the way that, that I feel anymore. We have now come to the part of the podcast where if you are or want to become a Patreon and support the work that we do, as well as get more juicy material, go to patreon.com slash playful magazine. However, this particular extra material will be for free and we will delve more into what practices could help when in a drug addiction and ways on how to break free from it, how to find what to exchange an addiction for in order to get out of it and more. Go to patreon.com slash playful magazine what if we go back to your you as a dom yeah what are some stories that you could tell us about okay so a hundred percent my favorite story is when i was working in chicago i had seen a guy in new york and he had come to chicago specifically to see me and i was waiting at the dungeon waiting at the dungeon it had been like 20 minutes i was about to cancel and he shows up and he said i was going to not show up but i knew that you wouldn't believe me so i had to come on the way over <laughs> on the way over to the dungeon to see me his two front teeth fell out of his head and he came in holding them 
And he was like, I wanted to pay you and not waste your time. But he gave me his two front teeth and I dipped them in silver and made them into earrings. So that, that is 100% my favorite story. But wait, why are you not one. wearing the earrings? Today? Because I lost them because I moved way too much. And they're like tight. But I put them on like, I dipped them in silver. And I had like the day, like this one, basically. I had this dangly earring. And I had these teeth at the end of, of the earrings. Incredible. Yeah. How did he lose? You can just lose teeth. I is guess. I, yeah, I don't nightmare. know if it was stress. And the fact that it was his true front teeth of all teeth that you could possibly use and he like, gave them to and you. he gave them to me and he gave them to me and you yeah. had a session after this no oh god no no <laughs> he gave me the money and he left there's my limit yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like I that, have, yeah <laughs> that was definitely reason to cancel the whole session um the other one is that i was working at a house dungeon so it was a dungeon that is already set up and you just sit in and this room. first dungeon was something you had was your own dungeon no no no, no. Uh, it was a house dungeon. And uh, the so, two of them are both house dungeons. So the second one was like a dungeon that you rent out by the hour when I was in Chicago. And mm. so there was like a Google calendar and you would like block off time. But oh, the yeah. first one was a house dungeon. It was right by LAX, the airport. And you would wait in a room. And if someone came in and wanted to see <gasps> you you would get hired basically. Wow. And so it was a horrible place to live. The owner was a total asshole. And so I ended up quitting. Mm. There was a house slave that had been working there for a while and he kept peeking into rooms as sessions were happening, which is obviously a huge no-no. Two weeks after I quit, he came back, shot and killed the owner and then tried to burn the place down. Two weeks, two weeks. He got sentenced to 60 years in prison and it's still open as far as I know to this day. Without just, an owner. They just changed the name. Someone bought it. Yeah. Someone bought it mm -hmm. and just changed the name. And We're just like, changed the name. shoof, shoof, shoof. Yep. Body's gone. Let's open up. Yep. Start party's gone. Oh. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I'm so confused. Isn't that completely insane? They I found him hiding in the bushes, like a couple hundred meters away from the place. That's how they found him. But who was it shooting? The house slave that got fired for peeking in to the, the rooms. So I think this is not what I guess. What is a house slave? A house slave is a slave that serves the the dungeon, basically, that cleans up after like the sessions oh. and stuff like that. That like they don't pay. He just they don't the, pay. No, no, no. He just has the privilege of being able to be in like the presence of the dogs that were there. All right. <laughs> Is this also something that people still do? They have house slaves still, or I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's. I mean, this was you know, this was in 2012. So obviously, things have changed quite drastically <laughs> since then. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely. A, thing that, that is very popular among like true submissives whoa yeah this is so fucking wild this is so fucking wild i never heard stories like this in my entire life oh yeah i got a million of them but i feel like those are the, are the best too they so, are yeah. fucking insane okay holly yes. thank you so much for coming to thank playful you so podcast much for inviting we me. are so happy to have you yeah, here absolutely oh. and Now we're gonna go to the extra material. Okay, awesome. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.